0: If you were the evil one and you wanted to upset the faith of God's people, what would be one of the surest ways in which you could do that? It would be to corrupt the very idea of faith, wouldn't it? To so confuse and confound and confuddle what faith means that when people talk about having faith, that Christians can mean thoroughly different things, one from the other, by it. More so that Christians might not just disagree with one another on what faith means, but they may read into the Scriptures themselves this definition of faith that is not there in the Scriptures. We come to a passage today that talks about faith, talks about some other things as well. Jesus continues his teaching in private to the disciples. He continues to teach them this pattern of first suffering, then glory that we see so consistently throughout the scriptures, first for the Christ and then for the Christ's people first suffering, then glory. That's the pattern that we can expect of the Christ and ourselves as those who follow the Christ. A pattern that exists even though we are sons and daughters in the kingdom rather than servants. We are children of the king. Children don't pay the tax. And yet, in this age, our sonship, our daughtership, our adoption, our inheritance of all things in heaven and in earth with Jesus, well that's a hidden reality and so we continue to pay our taxes, to pay our dues even though we are not, uh, well even though one day we'll actually inherit everything in Jesus. So there's a pattern, there's a hiddenness and yet Uh, In this passage, Jesus uh, focuses our attention upon the nature of faith and the lack of it. I feel like my microphone is sinking. There we go. What does the word faith mean? What does it mean to be a person of faith? Our world has thoroughly corrupted the idea that faith is a leap in the dark, It's jumping into something without evidence. In fact, if there was evidence, then it wouldn't be faith because faith and evidence are mutually separate categories in the world's eyes. How different is the Bible's view? Faith is just trust. It's reliance. It's being persuaded that something is true and then putting your trust in it. And here in this passage... We meet people who do not put their trust in the Lord Jesus, who are not persuaded that something is true. This morning, this may be a hard word for some of us to hear. This morning may be cauterizing a wound, or even worse, it may be requiring more than a band-aid or a few stitches it may require major surgery but the confidence that we have is that God's spirit works with his word to transform hearts and minds that we might understand the truth of his word Well, as we delve into the passages, we saw last week there was a mountaintop experience, a mountaintop experience that involved Moses and Elijah, who themselves had had mountaintop experiences of encountering the presence and glory of God. And last week, what we saw was the presence and the glory of God made manifest in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does he want us to do? The one thing the Father wants us to do in this life is to listen to the Son, But like Moses and Elijah coming down the mountain, Jesus has an experience of an utter contrast between the glory of God revealed on the mountain and what was going on below the mountain. Moses ascends the mountain, comes down. What are they doing? Oh, there was this fire and some gold fell in and oh, a golden calf popped out and we thought we'd better worship it. Elijah flees to the mountain. Why? Why? I'm the only one left God everyone's running off to Baal and they're killing your prophets and your servants. Jesus descends the mountain a man comes up to him verse 14 verse 15 Lord we have mercy on my son for he has seizures and he suffers terribly for often he falls into the fire and often into the water I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? You get a sense of his frustration, don't you? After what's just happened on the mountain, now coming down to this, bring him to me. What we have here in Matthew's Gospel is a briefer narrative. It's not as long as the others, so much so that uh, someone in the past thought it was a good idea to add some bits from the other narratives to flesh it out in this one. And so you may notice that verse 21 doesn't exist in your Bibles. It just goes from verse 20 to verse 22 because we now know better the verse 21 wasn't original to the text. Um, It occurs in the other narratives This only comes out with prayer and fasting, but it's not here in Matthew's Gospel. Likewise, Matthew doesn't tell us about the Father's faith. He says, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. It's not the Father who has a problem in this passage with belief and faith. It's the disciples, Jesus' very own, the nine who were left down at the bottom of the mountain. They're the faithless ones. They're the ones who uh, Jesus is bearing with because they could not cast out the demon. There's so many questions that come from this passage, so many interpretations that emerge, more often than not because we read into the text rather than read out of the text. As I just mentioned, whose belief is it? Or who lacks the belief? Who is it that's faithless? Or again in uh, verse 20, because of your little faith? Well, it's the disciples. It's the disciples who lacked faith in this passage. But what is the nature of that faith? Should we be talking about measures and amounts? And what does he mean when he says, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Well, as I mentioned before, uh, if you're going to corrupt Christianity, corruption of the word faith is a pretty good place to start. If you search up the phrase, a faith that can move mountains, what do you think it means in the world's eyes? A faith that can move mountains. Well, as a Cambridge person, I've got to honour my Cambridge dictionaries and my Cambridge uh, 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 online search results. Uh, A faith that moves the mountains is someone who has a very strong faith, a great faith. And isn't that how the world uses that phrase? You've got a faith that can move mountains. What a great faith you have. Look again at the passage. He's actually saying the complete opposite. If you have the tiniest faith, a faith that is so minuscule you can barely see it, a faith that's the size of a grain of mustard seed, even if you have the tiniest faith, amount of faith you'll be able to say to this mountain move from here to there and it will happen because nothing will be impossible for you it's not our faith that moves things it's God who moves things and it's not the amount of faith that God rewards but it's that we have faith that God answers a faith that can move mountains in this passage is any faith at all even the most fragile even the most weak even the most uh, feeble of faiths what saves you and I in the gospel it's not the strength of our faith it's not the perfection of our faith It's not whether we have no doubts or not. But it's that we believe, weak and frail that it may be. And it's that belief that's effective, not because the faith is effective, but because we trust the power and promise of our God. But the disciples lacked even that. You had a paucity of faith, a negligible faith, a lack of faith. That's why they couldn't cast out the demon. If they had even just had the tiniest amount of faith, they would have been able to do it. But they couldn't because they didn't. Whose lack of faith is on view in the passage? It's the disciples. Is it because they only had a small faith as opposed to a great faith? No. It's because they had no faith at all as opposed to any kind of faith. Even one as weak and small and fragile like the faith of a grain of mustard seed. Where does the power come from to move mountains for things that are impossible to be made possible? It comes from the power of God, not from the strength of our faith. Faith is merely the means by which we take hold of those promises of God. And that's the key as well. How many times have you heard this passage be taken out of context? If you have faith uh, that can move mountains, i.e. a great faith, anything will be possible for you. Is that actually what this verse means? Nothing will be impossible for you. What is he actually talking about in context? The situation is the disciples unable to cast out a demon impossible for humans yes but possible for God what is their confidence to be able to do that why should they trust have trusted that they could do that it's not a leap in the dark it's not a risk-taking adventure where they think that well I don't know whether this can happen or not but I'm going to trust God and it's no Matthew chapter 10 Jesus gave them the authority to cast out demons Their lack of faith is not a lack of jumping into the dark. Their lack of faith is a mistrust, a distrust, a rejection of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that they actually had power to do these things. If they'd but believed his promise... Seemingly impossible things, like moving a mountain. It's hyperbole, it's not literal. But seemingly impossible things, like casting out a demon, which I promised you that you had authority to do, if you'd but believed that, you would have been able to do it. Brothers and sisters, it's important that when we come to a passage like this, that we don't import our views, that we don't import the world's views, that we don't import our own assumptions and the lingo that gets uh, cast around Christian churches about what faith is and isn't. Jesus is critiquing the absence of the disciples' faith having heard Jesus give them authority, yet for some reason in this passage they don't trust it and they're unable to cast out the demon. If they'd but believed, even a most fragile belief, like the Father, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. If they'd just had that, they would have been able to do it. But they couldn't because they didn't. How then do we bring this into our sphere, into our lives? How do we bring a passage like this to bear and to understand our faith? As I said this morning, we're going to hear what may be a hard word for some of us, but I would be dishonoring God and not honoring you either, if I didn't bring this to bear. One of the biggest phrases that is sounded in our churches today, including this church, is the phrase, stepping out in faith, and its partner, following the Spirit's leading. We need to step out in faith, Follow the leading of God. Except what Christians most often mean by that is thoroughly different from what the scriptures actually say. And we need to understand what the scriptures do say so that we don't become confused in the Christian life. Now this is hard to talk about because we will all have experiences that seem to testify to the truth of stepping out in faith, taking a risk for God, taking a leap and God answering those things in a positive way and those experiences then interpret how we speak and what we mean by the phrase and then how we read the scriptures. I'm not denying the experience, I'm not saying nothing happened I'm not saying God didn't answer the prayer, I'm not saying anything like that. But i think it's important that we use biblical phrases in biblical ways and that we reinterpret our actions using with biblical phrases used in biblical ways let me give an example of what i'm talking about Uh, i get this a lot because i'm a minister people often talk about uh, did i feel called to the ministry Uh, was i called by god and what uh, what led me to that calling Uh, the word calling and ministers get used quite a lot but Christians often use uh, the phrase generally God has called me to do this God has called me to do that Uh, the phrase calling in the scriptures never has to do with these things the phrase is purely and only used to talk about the moment you become a Christian your election is eternal your calling happens in space and time God ordained me before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, to be saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. But it happened somewhere between 1988 and 1992. I was called somewhere in those four years. Calling has to do with someone becoming a Christian. Was I called to ministry? Well... It's not a biblical phrase. How did I end up in ministry? Well, in the biblical principle of things, I talked with others and others talked with me and I was ordained because the fellowship of Christians recognised that I was fit for ministry and I was ordained to it. Isn't that exactly what happens in the pastorals? There was no inner subjective zapping. That's a Roman Catholic view. It's important that we understand biblical phrases in biblical ways, and stepping out in faith, having faith, is one of those things. Because in this world there is a revealed will of God and there is a hidden will of God. There is what God says clearly. He tells us his plans and purposes for this creation and what he's intending to do in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells us how he wants his people to live in this world. There is the revealed will of God. But so much of God's will is hidden so much of it we don't know i don't know what's going to happen to me when i leave the building today i don't know whether i'm going to be in a car crash on the way home i don't know what we're going to have Oh, actually i can probably predict what we're going to have for lunch but um, uh, the so much of god's will is hidden i know where i'm going that is i'm growing in godliness in this age the work of the spirit and the word and i look forward to the lord jesus when he returns and all things are brought under his feet but i don't know how we're going to get there and i don't need to know how we're going to get there deuteronomy 29 29 puts it like this that god has revealed to us what he's revealed but the secret things belong to the lord there is if you like in our experience a revealed will and a hidden will the reason i raise that is because nowhere Nowhere in the scriptures does God ever call you to step out in faith with regards to the hidden will of God. Let me say it again. Nowhere in the scriptures does God ever call us to take a leap, to take a risk, with the hidden will of god yes the bible does talk about in one place and one place only walking in faith not by sight and we're about to sing that in the chorus of our next song but that phrase has got nothing to do with taking a risk with the hidden things it's got to do in 2 corinthians 5 with us being here and now and being away from the lord we're not with jesus face to face yet and we long for the day where we're face to face we're walking by faith that is trust rather than the face to faceness of what's to come that's what paul's talking about in that passage Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. That's not what the passage means. It's a mistranslation, unfortunately, from the NIV. It's about faith being the evidence of unseen realities, the tangibleness of what is hidden. The fact that you and I believe in something that's hidden is proof that that hiddenness exists. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Here in a passage like this, the disciples, it wasn't like they only had a small faith and if they just had a bigger faith and just leapt out and took a risk, then they would have been able to achieve things. No, the passage is about them rejecting the very word of the Lord Jesus that they had authority to do these things rather than trusting the promise. That is, they should have, if they were going to step out in faith, It would have been to the revealed will of God not the hidden will everywhere in scripture where we're called to follow the spirit or keep in step with the spirit or called to exercise our faith it does not come in the hidden will of God arena it comes in the revealed will of God to be holy in a world that's unholy to hold to the confession in a world that keeps uh, railing against us. To be willing to suffer for the name rather than shying away and stepping back. Brothers and sisters, this is important to get right. Because it will stop us from making false distinctions and false divisions amongst ourselves. It's important to get right, because it has a form of godliness, but it actually denies its power. Because when people talk about stepping out in faith, and if you read the literature that goes with it, most often it does two things. The first is, it tells you to stop stewarding what God has given you to steward. Don't plan. Don't strategize. Don't make decisions. Rather, God's word clearly and abundantly tells us to make plans. To make plans, if the Lord wills, as James says, but to make them nonetheless. It's called stewardship, it's called wisdom. If we pit this idea of stepping out in faith, taking a risk for God in the hidden things, we're actually denying the responsibility that God gives us. Secondly, pardon me, I wish that I'd not done the second one second and done it first now because it's popped out of my head for just a second. It'll come back to me. God does call us to step out in faith or to walk by faith and not by sight. But it actually has to do with the revealed things. To walk by faith is to be honest in a world that's dishonest to confess our sin when we've done wrong by our neighbor rather than try to cover it up it is not walking by faith to quit a job without not knowing what's next simply cuz well that job isn't doing it for us emotionally wise anymore it's actually contradicting the revealed will of God. If man shall not work, he shall not eat. But it is stepping out in faith as one person I know of. If he decides to work for a printing industry and discovers that, oh, this printing <laughs> company, they just produce pornographic material. So he resigned his job or someone I know in Cambridge who managed to score a very rare, difficult job of computer game programming. He resigned his job because he realised that the company he was working for had changed its model to feed the addiction of children and young adults and put them into poverty through payment incentives in the game that's stepping out in faith of saying no god clearly tells me that that's wrong and so i will resign my job even though i don't know what's going to next because i know that it's right brothers and sisters it's important because it means that for we as a church We need to make sure that we make decisions as a church, which means that we make decisions as individuals that are honouring to God. If you're not feeling uncomfortable enough already, let me go a step further. Let me talk about our church finances. Did this church step out in faith in a risk-taking sense when it put Dan on full-time. I would argue that it never did because you all made pledges. There's no risk-taking about it. The one-off giving, which is often called stepping out in faith to see if God would provide, well, all of the giving in this church is God's provision. Whether it's the two cents that the person puts in every week because they can't afford to do everything else, or whether it's the $20,000 one off giving at the appeal, it's all God's provision. It's all God's special giving. But more so, it's not stepping out in faith at all. The church budgets it. How is it stepping out in faith to budget a $40,000? one of giving appeal. But that's the incorrect use of the word stepping out in faith. Well, what would it look like for this church to truly step out in faith with the regards to giving? Well, it can't happen on a corporate level. A parish council can't step out in faith, but individuals can. Where I read the word of God and it tells me to be generous. And so I make the decision to be generous rather than stingy that is I step out in faith with the revealed will of God rather than make assumptions about the hidden will of God but God's always provided for us God's always answered the prayer therefore we need to keep going with what we're doing yes God has answered the prayer but you don't know why he's answered it he could have always provided those things because, well, we might just be stubborn people who persist in going in a particular way and he's been gracious with us. Who hasn't done that with their children? Or it may be that God is providing generously and graciously beyond our means. But we don't know. We don't know. And he doesn't promise it. And so, if he doesn't promise it, to presume upon it is not stepping out in faith. We don't actually believe it anyway. Because if we truly believed it, well, then why not appoint two, three, four assistants? God will provide. Let's step out in faith, and he'll provide it, won't he? No, at some point, we all agree that stewardship needs to happen. And to pit stepping out in faith against stewardship is not the biblical pattern. Stepping out in faith has to do with the revealed will of God. What he tells us, not with the hidden will of God. The other thing, now that I've finally remembered it, uh, that the literature talks about in the stepping out of faith movement is that it almost always encourages you to not listen to the advice of Christian brothers and sisters. You will know that it's a stepping out in faith moment if it doesn't make sense to other people, is the language that gets used. Again, that's a complete contradiction of the biblical category of wisdom. God calls us in the hidden things to exercise our stewardship, that is, wisdom. And where does wisdom come from in the Scriptures? It comes from each other. The older to the younger. The overseer, the shepherd of a church, to those who are in the church. From the mutual speaking the truth in love. If you notice the word gifts that happen in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 13, 14, all those word gifts, these personal words, none of them are for the person themselves. They're all for each other. They're all to share, not to be held private. When someone says they have a private word from God and they don't listen to the wisdom of others, where is this wisdom coming from then? If God didn't audibly speak, if God didn't provide the advice through the eldership, through the wisdom of others. It concerns me when people say I'm stepping out in faith and they have nothing to do with listening to the advice of others. Where they make decisions saying I've prayed on it and God is leading me to do this, but how has he led you if you're not listening to your brothers and sisters? One of the first things we ask about ministers and them wanting to head into ministry is who is it that encouraged you to go? It's a relational thing. I was greatly encouraged this week as uh, one of our members here actually made the phone call and said, I have a decision to make. What's your advice and wisdom on it? They've been praying about it. They've what they've done is that they've chatted to people they chatted to Dan they chatted to me they chatted to wise friends so that they could make a decision whichever decision they make well is one of them God's will and one of them not no we don't know it's God's hidden will in retrospect we'll be able to see how it's for good for that person brothers and sisters it's important that we get faith right Faith is not a belief in absence of evidence. Faith is a belief in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith always has an object, something that we have faith or belief in. And our faith and belief is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And our faith and belief in him is not at whim, as if just by saying that... We He will do whatever we ask or whatever we imagine. No, our faith in him is in his revealed will, what he tells us to be true, what he promises and not in what he doesn't promise. It's important that we get these categories right, otherwise we will never make wise decisions as a church. We'll never make wise decisions in our Christian life. Now, as I said before, we can all have experiences that seem to testify to this kind of thing. I invite you to look back at those experiences and reinterpret them as God's grace, as God answering prayer, but not necessarily are rewarding us stepping out in faith with regards to the hidden will, but to understand it truly and humbly. I've raised a lot of things, and these things take time to process. But it's important as we come back to the passage that we remember that at that faith is fragile, minuscule. Feeble as it may be, if we but believe what God will do with that faith, what He promises to do. Let me pray. Father in heaven, remove unbelief from us, we pray. May we see the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ and put our trust in him. With the Father we pray, we believe. Help us overcome our unbelief. Heavenly Father, please so give us a right understanding of faith in this world that we might live life wisely before you. And we pray this to your honor and glory, amen.